It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Recalibrating the Scales. I'm your host and Chief Executive Resolutionist, Normie Avasca Scales, at your disposal. Welcome back yet again for another lush episode, ladies and gentlemen. I hope this interval has been utmost refreshing since our latter broadcast. Nevertheless, this season and quarter has been utmost eventful, and I'm elated to recapture my breath, alas. Author and poet Rosalind K. Chuck will be gracing us this evening for an exclusive and intimate interview pertaining to how Alzheimer's disease functions as a vehicle for relative rites of passage. There are a multitude of people in this era gravely impacted by the ramifications of this devastating and deteriorating disease. In fact, my son's beloved great-grandmother, among droves of others amid my personal circle, most recently lost her battle to this debilitating and chronic illness. However, I'm eternally grateful for the God-bestowed time and energy they shared prior to her untimely transition. As we explore, tread gracefully, and navigate through the tepid waters of the topic at hand, let's hold these loved ones within the forefront of our cerebral consciousness. Moreover, more effervescent poetry and a profoundly visceral sneak preview of Rosalind's published literary work extracted from a five-dimensional scope on the aforementioned topic will unfurl this episode. At this juncture, I'd like to render another original poem I'd scripted, aligned with the topic at hand titled, Mind Over Matter, Temporal Escapades. Hovering guardian angels, sauntering, gazing, gawking, peering through elusive corridors, teleporting through the ether of geographic and temporal space, evaporating, dwindling, thriving upon the fumes, remnants of sheer vapor, the residual byproduct induced by one's weathered memory. Indeed, memory, the treasure house of the mind wherein the monuments thereof are kept and preserved per the sage, none other than Thomas Fuller himself who uttered, spewed, sprayed, relayed such profound living truth. Do the amber grains of sand essentially, keeping time, shift in one direction, whereas one's memory pivots along another aimless vector, according to William Gibson? 
sagging like burdensome loads prior to imploding within the waning, fragile, tender, sparse, delicate minds of the plagued and afflicted. Perhaps the mystery stands to reason, resting to be seen. Now, without further ado, I introduce to you the one and only Rosalind K. Chuck, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Recalibrating the Scales radio show, Rosalind. How are you this evening? Very excited about being here. Um, I look forward to this interview. And it's been mutually, mutually, mutually in anticipation of mine as well. I'm all ears. As you know, I kept my opening spiel rather concise because this is going to be a listening episode, a learning episode for me alongside the others. Okay. Uh, uh, What... Where do I go from here? I would like to, I would, I guess I should uh, begin with an explanation of what I think Alzheimer's is. Well, if you could actually, beforehand, if you could just share with our listeners a bit about yourself and your field of expertise, just for starters. Um, Well, I'm 71 years old. Um, I do not have Alzheimer's. Uh, I have lived a varied life. Um, at one time, I was a fortune teller. I've been a bank teller. Uh, um, my husband and I had managed a resort on the Russian River. Um, we also owned a vending company that was profitable for a number of years. And when I had money, I volunteered um, to be a friend to women in nursing homes. I, I still do this. Um, Though right now I'm not friendly with a woman who's with Alzheimer's. I'm, I'm, the woman I'm visiting has MS. Um, but, but when I visited women with Alzheimer's, what I saw was that, well, I listened to them, and I began to realize they were, they were truly where they thought they were. Um, they would speak with spirits. They lived in the past. And that was their reality. My feeling was, as I listened to them, they were really there. And that I cannot make judgments based exclusively on my reality. We don't understand time or the soul. And I came to believe that something was happening that I didn't understand. And maybe it was given to people not to understand this until their time came. Um, There are... There are many people who believe that when we die, our lives pass before us so that we can judge its value. And as we're dying, others from our past who have made the tradition transition come, come to us. Um, and I think, that, and, and maybe they come to us to make the transition less frightening. Maybe they come to us to assure us that we are not alone. Um, if there is a chance of that being true, then I surmise that the old women were telling what the old women were telling me was not necessarily completely delusional, but part of the dying process. We don't all live the same lives, and it is possible that some of us might experience death quickly as in a car accident, and some of us are given more time. In the memory lingers on, Anna gradually comes to understand that the transition can be a celebration like birth or marriage. Um, what I, most of us are afraid of Alzheimer's, and I, 
it's hard to describe what we're afraid of um, because if we give in to our fears, we find we, we, we get suffocated by them. And I think fear is nothing more than what we do not know or understand and don't want to examine too closely. My father-in-law was born in Eastern Europe in the 1890s. He told me when someone brought in a radio, the people gathered around to see who was talking to figure out where he was hiding. I mean, they looked under the radio. They looked behind the radio. They looked all around because there was a voice coming from this radio, and they couldn't figure it out. Um, and... And I think, and if we if we examine that, um, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, there is a, there is at present no science to tell us what happens to the voice in our head when no one can hear it. We can look behind ourselves, underneath ourselves, but there's a voice in our head. It doesn't mean our consciousness vanishes when we pass away. No one can predict our ability to tap into microwaves, x-rays, or airwaves 100 years ago. It was not detected by the science available then. I don't know if my soul survives the body or not. That is where faith comes into play. And someday, it's just possible, just someday, that science actually will be able to, de- to detect the energy of the soul as the body dies, or even while we're still alive. I mean, it's possible that they might be able to transfer it with with technology the way it's going. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I'd really want that to happen. I kind of like faith. I mean, to to extend this life indefinitely means that my, I'm I wonder if my soul would evolve. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but as I came to the conclusion as a volunteer friend that these people who I was speaking with were honestly experiencing something that was beyond my, my scope. Um, they are living in a reality beyond my own. Just because I can't see how the satellite finds me to tell me that in two miles, in half a mile, or in 300 yards, I have to prepare to exit, doesn't mean that she doesn't know. And she knows it for everyone on the road. And I accept that because I don't know how the soul operates doesn't mean that I don't have a soul. I accept the fact that I do. I just have faith that I do. And when before a friend of mine died, he asked me, Rosie, what do you believe? And it took me a second. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know what to say at the time. And then it came to me. I have no earthly idea, but I believe it passionately. I think Anna's story of, uh, with Alzheimer's it's a story of a soul moving through time coming to terms with her life and her death and the reason she lived and with Anna she made the decision to cross over she was preparing to make the decision to cross over the same way, in many regards, we prepare to give birth. It takes us nine months to give birth, and we prepare for it. Death can be prepared for, and I think that sometimes God or whatever you want to call that energy that's in the universe that's moving us on 
sometimes God gives us the gift to do it. And it may seem horrible to those around us, but that's because we don't understand what's going on. And sometimes it is hard for the people who are going through it because they don't know what's going on. Their reality shifts so dramatically that it's difficult for them and it's difficult for us. And the worst part is it's it's most difficult for us to communicate that with each other. Uh, I think... Um, I think there's a poison there. (laughs) Um, So, do you have any questions? (laughs) Well, yes. Well, I just for well just just for clarity's sake, um, I'd like for you, if you could, if you could please elaborate on. Alzheimer's disease, just by virtue of its definition, and then the personal encounter or experience you've had regarding it. You definitely shared a great bit of your story, but just for clarification's sake. Okay. Well, Alzheimer's is a type of dementia that causes problems with memories, thinking, and behavior. Um, most often the symptoms develop slowly. Sometimes they come on quick, but that's true of almost any disease. And they do get worse over time. There are different levels of Alzheimer's. Now, in Anna's story, it's relatively mild. Sometimes people lose the ability to talk, to move. Um, But that has been the most extreme cases. Um, uh, Just like the rest of our bodies, our our brain changes as we age. And most of us eventually notice some slowing down of thinking and occasional problems with remembering certain things. However, serious memory, memory, memory loss, confusion, and other ma- major changes in the way our mind works may be a sign that the brain cells are failing. It's the destruction of, and death of nerve cells within the brain that causes memory failure, personality changes, problems carrying on our daily activities and other symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. Now, that is the clinical definition to a certain extent, but it doesn't explain why as the brain and body deteriorate, past memories become so present. In other words, why do some memories are return and some memories are just gone? And um, why do people hallucinate? And when they do hallucinate, they're not seeing people, their neighbors. They're consistently seeing people, the ghosts of those who who they knew who are are no longer alive. And there's nothing in science that could explain that. Science can explain the deterioration of and plaque build up because there's plaque in the brain that builds up in certain areas. But it doesn't account for how the memory appears to be so selective and vivid. Um, anyone who's, uh, many people, not all people, but many people who have have had relatives with um, Alzheimer's will state that their family are talking to somebody who they see in the room. And this is documented also um I can't remember the name, with hospice. In hospice situations, 
quite frequently, um, if I remember correctly, it's more than 50% of the time, people, even without Alzheimer's, um, before they die, encounter loved ones who come to them, and they talk to them as if they're in the room. They are seeing, they are communicating with somebody that we can't. And if it's this consistent, it's more than just imagination, as far as I, I, I believe. Um, and, Rosie, go on. Go, no, go ahead. I was just saying, um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to interject by mentioning, so you, you're what I deem to be a classic textbook example of what I classify as a fellow five-dimensional thinker. So I've discovered that three-dimensional thinking is not the end-all, be-all, but there's, in fact, a five-dimensional thought process. And I believe I classify you, I put you in that category. And this mm-hmm. is particularly pertaining, pertaining, pertaining to your perspective of the realm of Alzheimer's disease, which I really hadn't given great thought to. I know that I've coupled with Maximo's great-grandmother, you know, her recent passing or recent transition, coupled with other loved ones who've lost their battle to Alzheimer's amid the years, apart from knowing just the surface level definition of what it was, I really hadn't delved into it. Uh, but so basically your perspective, giving your perspective, can you expound upon your scope or vantage point pertaining to this, to Alzheimer's disease, about pertaining to the rites of passage and the temporal, in the temporal time travel and so forth. I can't. I, I, I don't have. Um, my mother didn't have Alzheimer's, but my husband passed away four years ago. He did not die from Alzheimer's. He had cancer, but when he was in the hospital, um, like four or five years before that, he had open heart surgery. His heart stopped for a half hour and they couldn't revive him and the doctors were surprised that he came through when he woke up he and the doctor said where are you he said he was taken off a battlefield my husband was not in Vietnam he was never in war he was never in the army if this had been a one time occurrence I would have said maybe it's a dream because Quite often we, you know, attribute anything that we don't understand. Well, it's dreaming or your imagination or it's coincidence. But he went on like this for about three days where he thought. And I, was, I, I didn't want to contradict him. He was waking up, and I, did, I wanted to support his feeling, you know, his, his, his improved health. Um, I wasn't going to say, you weren't on a, on a, a battlefield. Yeah. What are you talking about? And people, people should not do that. Um, we should follow, just like you follow a child. You don't, you know, if a child has an imaginary playmate, you don't say, oh, you don't have the imaginary playmate. You ask about the imaginary playmate. Um, when my husband did die, two days after he was born, after he died, that's interesting, Freudian slip, but two days after he died, I was lying in bed awake, and he called my name. Um, it was not a whisper. It was not the pipes, because we don't live in that old house. I've never heard pipes. You know. It was his voice, and it was clear and concise. 
I've had other experiences before this, and most people do. And we don't, we live in an age that doesn't recognize, we don't validate these experiences. We kind of flop them off. But I believe that we all, if we look into any of our experiences, we'll find that there are moments where we each have been visited by spirits, where we each can see moments even in a past life or um, into, into somebody else's life. Um, and my experience, you know, at, when visiting people in nursing homes reinforced that. I, I believed that, you know, in a soul before that. But there, when they came to me, and these are dying people, or people, I, I'm dying too. I mean, we're all dying. Um, and the older I get, the closer I feel to the, the end. Um, these people are, te- you know, are, are sharing with me their death experience. And that's what I, that's my experience, was that I am, when they talk to me and they tell me what they're going through and what they're seeing, that is part of the, their journey. And I was very lucky to be there when they talked about it. Um, okay. I don't know. Well, you know I, 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 yeah. Go on. No, you go on. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Go, no, uh, definitely complete your thought. I just had one final question. I wanted to. I definitely wanted to leave the room, carve out some space for you to sample some of your poetry or something from from your ah. literary work. Yes. Ah, but I, I would love to. One, but I just had one final question. Aside from how people can contact you directly, um, and that question was, given that this platform, this radio platform, advocates multidimensional thought processes coupled with achieving a sound equilibrium in a plethora of regards, Rosalind, how can such a thing be attained pertaining to Alzheimer's and your most concise, your most concise response? I, I, um, I haven't worked on that answer, but as instinctively my feeling is that um, we should trust our inner voice or we should trust what we don't, it, um, what we should trust ourselves. Try not to try not to make excuses for what we don't understand. Try not to cover things up. By doing that, I, it, let go of our fears. My grandmother, when I was a little girl, I sat on her lap and I asked her, "What does it feel like to know that you're going to die soon?" And she said to me, when you've lived a long life, you get curious. And I think it's like children. We allow ourselves to be curious. We allow our imaginations to take us where we're afraid to go. We might discover that there's more to the imagination than illusions. That there's, and I, I, I guess that's what I would have to say. Okay. All right. That's a, a good explanation. So briefly, <laughs> before you work in some of your poetry, I know time is getting away from us. 
How can our listeners contact or follow you going forward? Uh, my name is Rosalind Kachuk, K-A-C-H-U-C-K. My book is available on Amazon. Uh, the memory lingers on, and I do. I I am on Facebook now, so they can contact me that way. But I, can I give you my email address? And I would not mind if they contacted me personally. Absolutely. Okay, it's four seven. R O Z Z Y at gmail dot com. And I'll repeat that. Four seven R O Z Z Y at gmail dot com. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So Rosalind, um, if you could for the last few minutes that we have remaining in the episode. Could you grace us with some of your, your, your poetry or your, your poetry or prose, I should say? Well, I I don't know how much time we have. I could read one poem and then if... Well, let me read the opening paragraph and then we'll see how much time we have left. I've got to open... Susan, my sweet child, when did you bury me? Was it yesterday, last week, last month, last year? Time moves differently where I am now. The day you stood by my grave has passed, though the memory lingers on. Looking into the dark pit, you knew the plain box to be empty. The body you buried there, no, of no more substance than the skin a snake sheds. You know, because you saw me walk into the mist. When you remember the last moment we shared, you question the reality of it. Could it have been a response to your grief, a way to explain the distress of Anna's last years and give meaning to them? Let me assure you it was real. It was more alive in that I was more alive in that dreamlike state than I had been waking in your time, your reality. It was not Alzheimer's that ended my life. I experienced Alzheimer's not as a disease, but as a rite of passage. Through it, I went the way of all who die. At the end, our lives do pass before us for review. Our loved ones do help us see the reason we chose to exist. Excellent. And wait. Go on. Go on. And finally, they guide us into the next stage. What you understand as a disease was a vehicle allowing me more time to accept the transition. You didn't understand then. There was no way for me to explain. So I came, come to you now as you slumber. How I wish I could stroke your soft curls as you lay sleeping, as I did when you were a child. I watched the rise and fall of your chest, with each breath taken. I wonder if your eyes were to open, what would you see? The ghost of your mother hovering at the edge of your bed? Would you be afraid? You turn in your sleep, calling my name. Mommy, I am here. And then it goes into uh, Susan. She opens her eyes, but she, did, but she is not in bed. Standing beside her is Anna, her mother, as I was at a much earlier age. 
were at the beach at Coney Island looking out to sea. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Rosalind. And if you could stand thank back for just a brief moment. Go ahead. Okay. Go on. And a poem? Well, the bridge. If you could stand, if you could stand by for just a brief moment. Okay. It is my profound duty, as always, to render the utmost accolades to Rosalind Kaychuk for carving out the time, space, and energy of this episode to engage in this illuminating dialogue. Thank you, thank you, and thank you again, Rosalind. Moreover, I applaud my behind-the-scenes team, Bradley, coupled with all you magnifying and avid listeners spanning the globe. This radio platform rests upon your broad shoulders, as always, and I implore your continued listenership. Please follow me on Twitter at RecalibratingTS, short for Recalibrating the Scales, alongside Instagram. I humbly beckon your feedback and suggestions, as always. Until the next episode, this is Normia Vasquez-Scales, signing off. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.